It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for bearing our loneliness, our isolation, our darkness for us. Amen. Many of you know this story. I've told it before, but or either personally or up here, I'm not sure. But as many of you know, as a recovering addict, you need to do certain steps. And early in my recovery, we had started our reconciliation in our marriage, and I had started going to groups and therapy, and we were involved in three Alpha courses. We had gone to the Alpha conference we were at. We were doing all kinds of things. And through what was a rather miraculous word of knowledge to one of the people whom I did not even know at the conference, I pretty much learned you have to tell her everything. That wasn't really what I went to the Alpha conference to hear. That's not what I wanted to go home with on my heart, riding for an hour with my wife, trying not to, like, just jump out at 50 miles an hour on the highway to avoid this conversation. I couldn't have the conversation. I had to write it in a letter. But I argued with God that whole ride because I said, if I say everything, she'll leave. He said, no, she won't. I could not see it. I could not see what I knew. I could not feel what I hoped for. I knew the visceral love of God. I had felt it. I had seen it. I had experienced it. I knew I was forgiven. I knew that I was not beyond forgiveness. But at that moment, I could not see. I knew that I was completely justified, that it was never too late for me. But I could not see it. I knew that here was the universal God of the universe that was taking the time to tell me something important. 
that as big of a thing that he was doing for the entire universe to bring sin, sin to its knees and destroy it, he cared about me as a person and as an individual. But I could not see it. I knew what it cost him. I knew that he had been separated from his father. I knew that I was his joy. I was one of his favorites. But I could not see it. I knew that he finished his work. I knew that I was his work. But I could not see. I was in darkness. Everyone watching this crucifixion could not see. They had no idea what was happening. It says... They went home beating their breasts. It says the disciples watched from a distance. This has been one of the most disgraceful and shameful events in history. And in the midst of this, Jesus has the gall to say, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. This man, this God, has been crucified in a way that meant that he was cursed by Jewish law. This has been shameful to experience and to watch. And he quotes Psalm 31. Anyone who at the time heard this or as they read this later in the recounts of the story would have that entire psalm come to mind. It's actually read in Compline, which we do often right before bedtime my wife and I, and we do at night here or sometimes with the kids at youth group. And it starts like this. In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. He's already been put to shame. How can he say this? Well, actually, the psalmist has also already been put to shame. If we read later in the psalm, it says what kind of shame he's been put to. It says, I am forgotten like a dead man in Psalm 31, out of mind. I am as useless as a broken pot. For I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. And they are taking it. And yet, the psalm starts with, let me never be put to shame. As if the psalmist believes that we have a God who can actually take something that has already happened and make it as if it has not happened or change the definition of it in such a way that it is it is the exact opposite of what it looks like at first glance. 
we love to talk about joy and grace, and I love grace. Trust me. I love joy. I love the peace that God brings. But there's a little secret that we all actually know, which is that we usually have to go through some sort of death to get there. And in those moments where we face our spiritual depravity, when we are before the cross and we are looking at what our sin has done to our Creator, all we can see is our sin, our disgrace, our shame. All we see is the death that is before us. Our eyes are darkened. She won't leave you, he said. Yes, she will. I wouldn't blame her. No, she won't. Yes, she An hour of this in the car. That's pretty much the dialogue. Even if we don't see, it is true. And as we sit at the foot of the cross, as we see everything he has gone through, the beatings, the scourge, the shame, the thorns on his head, the spear in his side, we say, we know that you had to do this. You had to do this for my sin. He goes, no, I didn't. I didn't have to do anything. I wanted this. I chose to do this for you. For all of you. And as we dare to look him in the eyes, he says, see how much you are worth that I would choose this. I will walk with you through this death. And though you don't see it, I am there. 